Good morning, everyone. Today we have Fire Chief Rich Etheridge joining us. Hey, thanks for having me this morning. Chief, the weather service tells us it's going to be hot over the weekend. That's what we're hearing. We're, we're hoping for some sunshine. Oh, well, with that sunshine, might there be any tips you'd like to share when we're in a heat wave warning? Sure. Um, we don't get heat wave warnings very often. Um, but uh, what I'm anticipating for this next one is the first you know, two, three days will be pretty darn humid because we've got so much moisture on the ground right now. But after about three or four days of you know some warm weathers and some breezes, the the light fuels are going to start drying out again. So we'll probably see, you know, some grass fires and, and maybe even some brush fires at that point. Mm. But uh, yeah, open burning. Your first couple of days are going to be the safest, and then after that, you really got to watch those light fuels and make sure you got a water source to to put things out and don't shoot fireworks off into trees and brush and stuff like that. And make sure to pick up your butts. Absolutely. <laughs> After those cigarette butts and cigars we saw a couple weeks back, yeah, there was uh, what two or three fires downtown of you know just you know people dropping them into the planters and, and stuff like that. So people get pretty careless with those at times. Well, one might hope we could get good weather for Fourth of July too. That would be really nice. We got a lot of lot of activities that we're we're planning on uh, participating in, and we usually get a lot of community members uh, working with us. So what preparations are underway for the parade? Uh, right now, they're organizing the apparatus that's going to be in the parade, making sure that's all cleaned up. Uh, they're getting uh, people to walk around the apparatus. That way, you know, as they're tossing uh, taffy out to kids that nobody gets hit by one of the tires or something like that. So we want to be really safe because across the country, you know, injuries happen in parades all the time. So we want to be extra cautious. Um, and then after we do the uh, Juno Douglas parade, um, they're going to have hot dog sales over at the Douglas Fire Station. They'll open up the bay doors and um, you know sell hot dogs till they run out. Um, and then we've also got the the hose race that's always fun for everybody uh, to get involved in that. The hose race. Yeah, uh, we closed down uh, the main uh, road there, uh, right in front of the fire station. And we set up two teams, and they've got several lengths of hose that they have to flake out and connect them all together. And the first team that can spray water uh, wins the race. And typically, it ends up in a nice big water fight that uh, you know, the, the bystanders sometimes get a little bit damp, but we uh, definitely get uh, both the racing teams uh, pretty wet. So it's a fun time. It must get them prepared too for when they got to roll out those uh, that ho- those hoses. Yeah, definitely. You definitely got to work on your technique because uh, you know if you just have a little bit of twist, your hose goes out into the crowd. And you got to chase the coupling down, and uh, so you know practicing throwing a straight hose roll and uh, doing your couplings really quick is uh, great work. And man, it makes things go much much quicker. So you mentioned apparatus, but is it, will there only be one engine? Um, you know, we're still trying to finalize what equipment all is going to be in there, uh, but we'll uh, probably have a couple of fire engines and a couple of the antique fire engines uh, that we've got. Uh, we've also talked about putting like uh, our ATVs in, in the parade this year also. Looking at some of those antique fire engines, does it ever make you wonder, man, they had to use this all the way back then? Oh, it's it's amazing the difference in the equipment. And uh, I think we've got one, two, four antique engines within the department now. Um, two of them run and function, and then a couple of them are in various stages of renovation. Do you think any of them would ever go to the museum? 
You know, uh, the problem is, is our museums are so small that they don't have room for something that large. Oh, to, but, uh, <laughs> okay. So our, our stations are kind of a museum. We've got the old-fashioned hose carts that they used to use in the mining days. We've got those hung up in the rafters. Um, we've got a, a chemical cart also, which is a big iron cylinder on wheels that they used to pour sodium bicarbonate in, and then it would create a chemical reaction to create pressure inside the tank. And we've got one of those in the fire station and lots of old brass nozzles and couplings and stuff like that. So uh, if people are downtown and want to come walk through the station, we're, we're always happy to show that kind of stuff off. Well, we're going to see some of that stuff on 4th of July. Absolutely. Well, there we go. So what's the word on the on the new ladder truck? Uh, the new ladder truck is uh, 99% complete. Uh, we've got a team going down uh, to Appleton, Wisconsin uh, next month right after the uh, the holiday. Uh, our mechanic, one of our assistant chiefs, and two engineers are going to spend three or four days climbing all over the truck and making sure all the specifications have been met. And then they're going to spend a day or so um, training on the truck with the factory and then taking a tour of the factory. Um, so they can go talk to the people that build all the individual parts. But uh, we're anticipating it should be here in town by the end of July or the very first of August. It just depends on the, the shipping schedules. And how fast will it be joining the ranks, would you say? Uh, it'll probably be at least three or four weeks um, before it's able to to actually start rolling out the door on calls. Uh, since it's brand new and it's such uh, modern technology, everybody's got to get some training on it we got to make sure that we're transitioning all the equipment uh, into the apparatus and, and that it's secure and in, in a good, safe location. So with this extended ladder length, you said it'll help with tall buildings like the federal building and before programs. But what are some of the other unique uses this could be used for? Yeah, um, having the bucket up on the very end of the ladder is uh, probably the biggest benefit to us right now because uh, I don't know if you've ever climbed off... Uh, a ladder onto your roof but uh, it's kind of awkward sometimes and then you throw on bunker gear which is like big rubber boots and a snowsuit try doing the same thing it gets really awkward um, with this you can actually put the bucket up right next to a window or right at the edge of the roof open the door and then just step out onto it so the safety factor is, is the biggest thing that uh, you know I was really interested in so you don't need to climb over the bucket <laughs> no it's got doors on two sides to where you can actually you know just step out uh, and then it's got another ladder up on the top that there's a parapet. You have to climb down over something. You can do that safely as well. Uh, some of the other options is it's great for rescue. It's got big eye hooks underneath the basket so you can get an elevated platform and be able to, like, uh, we have people uh, fall into Gold Creek from time to time. And we can either, you know, hoist them out using the ladder truck or we can actually lower the boom down uh, fairly close to the water. Um and then high volumes of water for uh, you know commercial or big structure fires downtown. Well, and I've been curious as of late. We were talking about this before the program. Gas prices have gotten pretty <laughs> high. It definitely for diesel. And if if I'm not mistaken, diesel is what you guys run on, right? Yeah, diesel. Uh, most all of our uh, apparatus runs diesel. Uh, some of our ambulances are all now switching over to gasoline. Um, but uh, we've got big. 500 horsepower diesel engines in the fire apparatus and those are only getting four or five miles to the gallons so um, we really are making efforts to to make sure that those are only going to calls that 
the personnel are needed. So if it's if it's a minor medical call, uh, we're trying to send just the ambulance and, and not an engine and an ambulance. But what 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 does that mean for your guys's gas budget? Uh, our gas budget is is you know definitely over budget this year so we had to cut back in other areas of the department to to make make up for it so that we end up with a balanced budget so uh i'm guessing our ga- our fuel budget was probably 20 percent over what what we anticipated it was going to be well, that, that does that happen often or is this just uh, yeah there's been a few years where that happens and uh, if fuel prices go up then we try and save money on like equipment or uniforms or if a training program got canceled we would save a little bit of money there so uh, we try and balance to the, to the bottom line and that way if you know fuel prices go up or um you know, we end up having to spend more overtime that we can balance it out and uh, not have to go back to the assembly for more funds. Oh, well. Is there anything you'd like to add before we get to the second part of the program? <laughs> no, I think we're covering pretty well. All right. Well, we will cover even more after the break. Stay tuned. And we're back with Fire Chief Rich Etheridge. Rich, I understand you're seeking folks for that air, airport exercise next month. Yeah. Uh, every three years, the FAA requires that we do a full-scale wheels rolling drill. Uh, the airport's the ones uh, kind of managing the program. Uh, so what they're looking for is people that want to go out on the airfield and pretend to be a victim and uh, just kind of watch how the firefighters uh, segregate people into the different uh, categories, whether they're a critical patient or a walking wounded and um, the goal is to sort everybody into different severities and transport some of them up to the hospital and start providing treatment in the field for others and uh, work on trying to figure out how to fly people uh, out of town once Bartlett's overwhelmed. Um, but uh, it's a great, great time to watch. A little bit of fire out on the airport grounds and the big green crash trucks are out there spraying foam. And uh, we get to set up the full command structure and uh, work with uh, the airport manager and the city manager and JPD. And uh, a lot of times we get uh, the National Guard involved or the Civil Air Patrol. But uh, it's, a, it's a pretty big community-wide event. And uh, we're always looking for people that want to come out there and, and play victims and, and get to see things from the victim's perspective. How long does it run usually? Usually it's about a three-hour drill. A three-hour drill. And and so if folks wanted to participate, do they reach out to you or? Uh, they reach out to the airport manager's office. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. All right. And on the on the topic, we we had saw that plane crash earlier this month. It was a small plane crash on the backside of Douglas. How do you all respond when you receive a situation like that? Typically what we do is we're in charge of the medical component of uh, any kind of a plane crash. Um, the Coast Guard and the state troopers have uh, the primary jurisdiction. And uh, depending on what they're reporting to us, if they don't need medical, um, like if it's a fatal accident, then we just stand down. But we, we always get prepared to, to send a team out. Um, typically, we either charter helicopters with one of the local companies, uh, or if it's uh, water-based, we'll, we'll uh, use like the Coast Guard or the troopers to, to shuttle us out there. But our primary role is just the, the medical care. Because you guys don't have a boat, do you? We've got uh, two of the small uh, flat-bottom, uh, basically river boats, and um, you know they're not designed for getting out in choppy seas and stuff like that. And it's usually not nice, warm, you know calm days when stuff like that happens so um 
yeah we, we generally try and go with the safest platform that's possible oh, very good and on we have this iron man event coming here in august uh, juno police lieutenant jeremy Weske was on the program he said they'll be providing traffic control during the event but it made me wonder what preparations will you all have or sure um We've been actively participating in their, their meetings and, and getting ready to come to Juno. Um, it's a lot of people coming in. Um, unfortunately, a lot of these guys, they're all you know healthy and fit, so we're not worried about the medical stuff. But uh, they're doing some pretty intense work, so uh, injuries are high likelihood. So uh, we'll have medics stationed around their course. Uh, we'll have some ambulances on duty in the area. Uh, for the swimming, we'll have one of our rescue boats, if not both of them, out on the the lake just in case there's some kind of incident out there but uh, uh we're just kind of that backup plan um just in case the worst case scenario stuff happens uh, somebody gets injured you need to be there right away yeah exactly Ooh, well it, and is this typically how you prepare for a big event like this or is this or is this a lot of planning yeah there's a lot of planning in this one it's kind of a special event that uh juno doesn't get you know great big events like this um you know we have volunteers that go out to uh, some of the football games in town and uh just because if we know there's a high risk of injury and there's going to be issues with access we try and forward stage equipment just to shorten that response time so since we know these guys are extreme athletes they're pushing themselves um you know ankle injuries or you know cardiac issues or that you know pretty much anything could happen out there um we want to have that short response time because we don't know how what kind of delays are going to be between us and where somebody's at okay and i had saw that some first responders were awarded a cardiac arrest save coin tell us about that <clears throat> sure yeah years ago um when we when I first started the department, we would occasionally get a CPR save. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and we've been really working hard to increase the, the save rates here in town. And most of that is early CPR is one of the biggest keys. So uh, we created this CPR save coin that if people stop and choose to do CPR and help save a life, um, they get a coin for that. And a gentleman uh, in one of the trailer parks out in the valley uh, had a cardiac arrest and one of his family members started CPR and then all of the responders that go and participate in that as long, along with the police officers that are first on scene. Uh, anybody that participates in saving that life gets a challenge coin and it's a pretty high bar. It's not just we delivered somebody to the hospital with a pulse. They actually have to be discharged from the hospital uh, and be able to resume their, their life. So um, if they're left in a vegetative state, you know, it doesn't qualify for a coin. But uh, right now we're at about a 55% save rate for people that have gone into cardiac arrest. Well, and, and you were saying you wanted to increase the amount of saves. Why is that? Um, yeah. Well, of course, we're saving a life here. <laughs> I mean, I'll think for a moment, but, but yeah. what, what spurred that, I suppose? Um, you know, it's one of the... You know, I think it's the easiest way to measure performance. Um, you know, when I started, you know, it was really, really rare to save someone doing CPR. Now we're saving 55% of them. Um, and uh, we try and run a cardiac arrest, kind of like uh, if you're watching NASCAR and see a pit crew operation. Everybody's got an assigned role and everybody has assigned spots to stand. 
and uh, we just try and do it as efficiently as possible so once we start cpr there's no gaps in compressions and and uh, you know the medications are you know the most advanced that we can do um, and we're on the telephone with the hospital uh, we can transmit ekgs and get other opinions uh, but we're really trying to to use that as kind of the benchmark because you know if we do these really well everything else you know following up to that's gonna you know improve and as you as chief what do you think of the department reaching 55 percent it's an amazing milestone um you know it's you know not a ton of departments are, are that high um you know even you know you know the the place to have a heart attack in the nation is like downtown seattle you know they've got you know a little bit in excess of 60 percent uh survival rates but uh you know if we can get that as high as we can and you know who knows what the limit is on saving that um you know not everybody's going to get saved so um but you know we go into it with the attitude that we're going to save everyone and um but uh we definitely want to you know make that uh that save because you know everybody we do cpr on somebody's family member there's somebody's parent or, or child and um you know we want to be able to you know have them come back home to them and what's the word on your guys's award ceremony uh typically we do it around christmas time uh and we've been discussing moving it uh to after the holidays uh just because there's so much crammed in and so many activities in juno uh, it's it's a lot of extra pressure on families. So uh, the volunteers, uh, the Alaska State Firefighters Association, they're kind of wrangling that this year, and they're coming up with plans for for doing the award ceremony. Uh, but uh, it'll be either in December, or, you know, shortly after December. Uh, I mean, I got to go to this uh, ugly Christmas sweater party one day, and then I got to <laughs> go to award ceremony the next. Definitely, there's a lot of pressure around the holidays these days. Mm. Well, Chief, is there anything you'd like to add? No, I appreciate you having us on here. Uh, everybody stay safe out there. Be careful out at the glacier. Um, weather changes pretty drastically out there. And uh, make sure you're prepared for being on the trail or even those short hikes out to Nugget Falls. We get a lot of calls out in that direction. So be safe out there. Well, very good. Thank you, Chief. Thanks for having me. Well, that's the program. Thank you for listening this uh, June 21st. We'll be speaking with the Docks and Harbors Department on the next program, so be sure to tune in for that. This is Kevin Allen for Action Line, signing off.